This is the Food About Town podcast. I'm Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This episode is brought to you by the Over Dinner podcast, starring my friends Michelle and Carlette, recorded here in the Food About Town studio. Check out Over Dinner podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you enjoy their podcast or mine, you can record your own at the Food About Town studio. Reach out on social media and find out if it'll work for you. In episode 45 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Brian Van Etten and Christian Simeone from the Playhouse slash Swillburger, and we talked a lot about the genesis of the restaurant. We talked about local sourcing. We talked about techniques, creativity with a simple menu, and we got into a little bit of a flame war with uh, the Redditors and uh, some of the commenters that have been talking about Swillburger since it started, and especially about the Kickstarter. So um, if you're one of part of those communities, uh, stay tuned towards the end and uh, let me know what you think on social media. You can find me at Stromy on Twitter or Instagram or find me on the Food About Town Facebook page. Thanks for listening. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. You're saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realize it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now and watch a hood wink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish. Although I like the shallow Swiss, I like the sushi. Cause it's never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Big like Leanne rhymes. Because I'm all about value. Bert Camper's got the mad hits. You try to match. You try to hold me but I bust through Can I make a break and take a bake out like a stink and can shake out like vanilla It's the finest of the flavors Gonna see the showcase and you'll know the vertigo is gonna go Cause it's so dangerous you'll have to sign a waiver Can I help it if I think you're funny when you're mad Trying hard not to smile though I feel bad I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral Can't understand what I mean, well you soon will I have a tendency to wear my mind on my sleeve I have a history of taking off my shirt It's been one week since you looked at me Threw your arms in the air and said you're crazy Five days since you tackled me so after all the funny noises and all the <laughs> the back and forth, I think we're ready to go. And I am here with two of the gentlemen behind the Playhouse slash Swillburger, Brian Van Etten. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing well. That's you? Good. I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> Yes, yeah, uh, I think this is going to probably be our curse, most curse-filled podcast <laughs> ready, so if you have small children, parental advisory. <laughs> and, we've got, and we've got Chef Christian Simeon. Yeah. Nice to see you, Chris. How are well, you? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming over, guys. Absolutely. No Stoked uh, to be here. Lovely yeah, place. Yeah, it's, uh, I got a lot of wood paneling in here. <laughs> yes. Either you love it or you hate it. I love it. I, I, I love wood paneling. I love wood. <laughs> and who doesn't (laughs) so we're here today to talk about the playhouse which was for a long time i'd say one of the most hyped most publicized um and one of the things i think people were waiting the most for was the playhouse in a long time one of the biggest restaurant openings in a while in rochester yeah, it kind of uh, was a double-edged sword there. You know, um, we did get a lot of press. We got a lot of mentions, a lot of people noticing us. Uh, 
it kind of you know brought a lot of attention to us that we were really excited about and when push comes to shove it brought in a, a whole shitload of business uh we think uh the hype was beneficial but it is in the same token uh we weren't able to with the whole hype story we weren't able to tell our exact story you know we had a lot of people just talking about us and talking about us and a lot of people had expectations that were you know not unreal but almost unrealistic you know people thought we were going to be something a little different than we were so you know like i said it brought in a lot of people we are over the moon with the response we've gotten since you know four months before we opened six months before a year before we opened people were talking about it uh and where we are now we're just trying to meet expectations yeah so i mean let's let's take a quick step back and let's let's ask the the question for those that don't know what the playhouse is can you explain what is what is the Playhouse? Sure, the uh, Playhouse is a big building in the middle of Rochester, on the corner of South Clinton and Meigs. And inside this building, it's an old, at one time a church, at one time a theater from uh, built in eighteen ninety. It's been renovated thoroughly to maintain some of its original charm, but actually, instead of housing a church or a theater anymore, it houses a big, beautiful bar, a uh, classic video game arcade and a very quick counter service uh, burger joint that uh, all three kind of coexist and, you know, kind of work off each other. Yeah, and I think that's, I think a lot of people didn't understand that when they walked in for the first time. Sure. I think uh, it's, for some reason, it, it definitely threw people off. <laughs> you know, we're not the first to have ever done anything like this. You know, we, we you know, in Rochester, yeah, I can proudly say we're the first ever classic video game arcade bar and burger joint no one else in rochester has done this before but you know i think um <clears throat> this concept has been done before it's been proven to be successful uh, especially with a classic video game arcade a bar a bar will never go out of style as long as you provide you know high quality ingredients and and you know quality drinks and the restaurant aspect you know when developing this uh the food element for this space you know, it was it was nice to take a step back and do something very simple. Uh, since since opening, I think we've realized that the simplicity of the menu almost bites us in the ass. Um, also, because as simple as that can be, it's really difficult to maintain consistency there. You know, we're doing something simple that everybody knows and everybody thinks should be a certain way. You, for example, you think a burger should be with mustard and grilled mushrooms. Sure. You know, uh, the guy down the street thinks a, a burger should be eight ounces and have crispy onions and blue cheese on it. Everyone has such a strong opinion. And we knew this going into it, but we decided to try to, you know, take this concept and run with it to as many people as we could, but all the while keeping it just straightforward and simple. So uh, we went with just a very classic burger, uh, you know, old school American burger joint. We're not doing, you know, for the most part, we're not doing insane gourmet toppings. We're not doing these mon <clears throat> monstrous burgers with a million different flavor profiles. We're trying to bring you back. And I think we're very successful in doing that. At least personally, when I eat a certain one of our hamburgers, it brings me right back to Seabreeze. It brings me back to Seabreeze when I was 12 years old getting some shit burger from the burger counter there. You say the burger row right near Seabreeze. <laughs> Basically, yeah. burger row. But instead of that shit burger that I enjoyed as a kid, I can now enjoy incredible ingredients that we really do attempt to, you know, we try to prepare them each time with care and with a, a technique that we've learned from cooking in commercial kitchens for years. 
uh, and providing a much higher quality shitty burger. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I like that. So, so Christian, why, why don't you describe the menu a little bit? And as Brian said, it is, it is a simple menu, very straightforward. Yeah. So what, 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 what are you guys doing there? What's, what's the product? Uh, I mean, we're just we're straight up burgers, fries. Uh, you know, we have one healthy salad, uh, but <laughs> token salad. The toke, the token salad, the ubiquitous kale salad, <laughs> um, topped with slaw. Uh, but it's just it's really simple ingredients. We don't want to get too too complicated with things. We don't we don't want to come off as pretentious or anything like that. It's 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 burgers. It's simple. You should you know be comfortable with it and not be intimidated by it. Um, and, and, you know, we just want you to have a good product and have a good time with it and, you know, have fun with it. Like yeah. being able to build your own burger <laughs> the way that you want it. Um, you know, that's something that we know is really important to people. and It's really important to us. Sure. Yeah. Also, the, one of the reasons why we did the build your own burger way is to make our lives a lot easier. You know, you, yeah. you go to a, one of the burger restaurants you know, like a Red Robin or something like that. They have 25 different burgers with these top. Each one has its own individual toppings. You know what? That makes a, a cook's life absolutely, absolute hell. You yeah. Know, because every guest wants it this way, that way. They want to take this off and substitute this. We tried to streamline the entire process, uh, not only for the kitchen and the cooks, but also for the customer as well as our counter staff taking orders so we could really just move this process along quickly and efficiently. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed. You know, even when you get lines, they tend to move. I mean, you, you guys are a pretty efficient place for, and as you mentioned before, Brian, how, how busy the place has been so far. Mm. I mean, it seems like the, the general um, general attendance and the general customer base has been pretty strong so far. Uh, yeah, I couldn't disagree there. You know, there there are times when we... We'll have slow days, slow nights. A week ago, we had one of our slowest weeks. At the end of the day, it was still a great week. The, the, the sales figures are fantastic. We look at our computer systems every day. They tell us how much repeat customer base we have. They tell, tell us how new our customer base is. And you know it's, it's insanely rewarding to see how many repeat customers you have. And, and those slow days, you know, we, we use those days to do things that most restaurants don't get to do. And that's, you know, keep that kitchen remarkably clean. Yeah. That's, you know, Christian and I have a slow day. We're going to travel out to some, you know, hop farm on the east side of Geneva, which uh, <laughs> Seneca Lake. And we're going to we're going to. We're gonna fucking you know cut shoots for two hours. Yeah, we're gonna prune those hops. We're gonna prune the hops, <laughs> and we're gonna use that for one night. Right, and then they're gone. You know that, that it's you know a business is good, and it's allowing us to do some things that we really enjoy doing. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about that for a second. So creativity. So people see a burger place, sure, and as you mentioned, they have specific thoughts about what a burger is, mm-hmm. and Rochester. We'll get into a few of these things later, but people have very specific thoughts about burgers in Rochester, most of which I think are terrible, yeah. um, personally. And that, that's my opinion. A lot of people love the Rochester-style burger. Mm. I think generally it's terrible, um, and I, I know a lot of people disagree with me. So um, what's creativity? You're talking about going out and harvesting hop shoots. Um, where does that fit in a burger? Right. Where, <laughs> right. Where, where does that fit in in a menu that appears to have no creativity if you look at it from a standpoint, it's a set thing with generally set items. Where, where does creativity come in for somebody like for, for a chef 
in a environment like that, Christian? Uh, you know, I think with things like that, just if if you're gonna go and use the the hop shoots as an example, I would I would almost say it's kind of a, a selfish thing in the way that <laughs> I I want to have fun with something and I want to do something different, but I also want to share that with somebody else. Like I I'd never had hop shoots before that, and I know a handful of people, most people who haven't before, and I think if you're able to kind of uh, have some fun with it and try something new yourself, then you can give somebody else the opportunity to do that as well. And I think, you know, being creative, uh, I don't know, gives, it just gives you the chance to be able to allow somebody else to have some fun too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, what the, the items you have, I mean, from my opinion, the, the items that you have in the menu kind of play as a blank canvas mm-hmm. to creativity. And we'll we'll talk about sourcing in a second, but the fact that you have essentially blank canvas ingredients with a burger, you've got French fries, you've got tater tots, tater which tots. we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. Because I mean, if I'm I'm going to ask a question, then we'll you guys make your own tater tots? Oh fuck no! Are you I was, crazy? I <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I, I I thought you might. I mean, the, the, it's such, they're so it's a, such a weird product. You so know? let me let me yeah. tell you where that all stemmed from. So basically, when we opened, you know, we spent a lot of time planning the kitchen. We spent a lot of time planning the menu. We kind of, you know, in in the kitchen aspect, we looked at the space. We figured out how much equipment we needed. We kind of did estimations on okay, if we're going to sell this much, we need this much and. You know, we ended up with two really high-powered fryers and about, uh, I think it's eight feet of grill space, okay? We learned very quickly that two fryers, if you're going to make your French fries from start to finish from a raw product, it's going to be tough. You know, the blanching process to get a potato from a cut into a fry shape to blanched and cooled and ready for a second fry. I mean, it takes hours every day. Within the first few weeks, we were spending a minimum two and a half, maximum four hours blanching French fries every single day in the mornings. And that didn't account for the cutting, the soaking, the rinsing. Uh, So... Well, and then after all that, you were dealing with the feedback at the time. (laughs) Right. So you were were putting all the effort in. You were putting two and a half three, four hours a day into right. trying to do it right and dealing with the fact that it just wasn't turning out what the way you wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. in the first few weeks, and we can go back to, to what and why oh, you sure. know, that kind of happened. But the, the point is, Chris, when we were spending insane amounts of time just prepping these fries, we needed a breath. And we're like, okay, how can we give this kitchen a breath? Because the first, you know, the first week, the first two weeks of business, they were absolutely absurd. You know, it was insanity. So we needed a breath. So a breath for us at that time was let's let's bring in a a pre-made, you know, frozen item, you know. And that can be seen as a cop-out, but... Also in this battle that we see we're having at times with, you know, what we want to do versus what we can do, our guests want it. You know, we, yeah. we and we're, we're still learning this with the specials. You know, Christian, you know, has come up with some insane specials left and right. And sometimes they are some of the most creative, if not the most creative combinations of flavors and ingredients that you will taste. However, Rochester ain't ready sometimes, you know, <laughs> like yeah, and hot so- butter on on tater tots. Rochester right. ain't ready for that, you know, I mean, so- which sounds amazing, admittedly. <laughs> it doesn't always sell. And that's the kind of what you learn with this. Like you, yeah. you, you want to you want to be creative <laughs> and 
and kind of push something on somebody, but sometimes they just want nacho tots, and that's <laughs> totally cool too. Like, but and I think that's and I, and I think this gives the opportunity to talk about talk about technique. Sure. So again, when I when I say this, I don't say in a negative way. It is a simple menu, mm-hmm. and you have simple products, and that's where technique comes in. Mm-hmm. And where I think a lot of the nuance is lost right now on a lot of the people I've talked to um, about what you do. So let's talk about let's talk about burgers for a second. So technique. These are relatively simple simple burgers. Yeah. It is meat, right. mm-hmm. and then it is seasoned on top, sure. not inside the meat because that's no. that's an abomination. Then it's a sausage. That's completely different. Um, <laughs> but oh, t- talk about the burgers. How how are the burgers cooked, and why is it different? Um, I don't. I wouldn't well, why, necessarily why is it? say that it's it's different. It's it is a simple concept. I mean, it it is seasoned on the outside meat that we're we're searing and pressing, and eventually flipping and serving to you. Like it's not. I mean, there's a science behind it, but at the same time, it's not rocket science. It's it's a very easy and simple concept, and you know, we we take great care in in the technique that we we use, the very specific one, how you know we want our employees to do it because we want everybody to get the same product each time for consistency's sake. But I mean, there isn't anything that's too yeah, crazy, but unless there's you, not anything too crazy, but it is different from a lot of the Rochester staple burger joints, you know, like. I can't say that I've worked in any, you know, of the the local Rochester burger kitchens, but I can say by looking at the burger, we do things differently. You know, it starts with the ingredient. You know, we use a better quality and caliber of beef. That's one of the four, you know, foremost things that we do that's different. The same goes for our buns. The same goes for our potatoes. And eventually when there's tomatoes in season, the same goes for that as well. You know, but it starts with that. You, you, You can't get the beef we're serving at Tom Walls, at Bill Gray's, at Charlie's. You can't get it. And then even just by looking at the patty themselves, their patties and this, you know, like they're limp, you know, they're, they're dead. They're gray, you know, and we're not a perfect business. We're four months old. We're still shitting our pants every day when, when the line forms and we're, (laughs) and we're not, we're not super confident with the grill guy or the fry guy, you know, we got to keep an eye on them and we can't be everywhere all the time, but we're still training. We're still young, but we really strive to put out a, uh, you know, down to the patty, the, a better product that you can get in a, in a similar establishment. Yeah. There's places in Rochester that do fucking incredible burgers. You sure. know, we're, we're not competing against them, you know? And if, and if we are, you know, like it's, it's not someone we're battling. What we're trying to battle is, you know, we're trying to give people that classic Rochester burger style vibe to, to a certain extent, but with ingredients and a technique that makes you, you know, I don't want to quote Wegman's fucking taglines, but food you feel good about. You know, it can be. You right. know, like Christian alluded to. Yeah, we have one token healthy salad. We're not a health food restaurant. We never. We don't claim to be. We we just wanted to do something simple and and really try our best to make it as good as possible. Yeah. Well, and I think the the one thing I wanted. So, the the reason I got in not involved, but I got to know to know you the first time was I saw you posted something on Twitter. Yeah. And I saw a burger with some crazy, crazy crust on it. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I'm I'm a stickler for, things that should be done right, that really there's no reason not to do them right. Mm. Yeah. 
And when I when I see when I see a burger like this, which if you know we're being, I would call it a smash style burger. You sure. know, it's a yeah. You push it on the grill, you leave it on one side, you get a hard crust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you're right. It's not that complicated, but that crust is what makes it great. Mm. And there's so few places that focus on making a decent crust. If you look at a burger and it's gray on both sides, right. I don't care if you cook the rest of it right, you're losing all of the goodness. Right. You're losing your flavor. I mean, that adds to the experience, too, like getting that crust on there. And as far as mouthfeel goes, like you know you're getting some Mouthfeel. Diff- People <laughs> hate <Yeah>. it. Mouthfeel. <laughs> you're getting something different. I mean, like, then, then you're... I guess typical burger experience. If you if you've got that crust on it, that's something that I really like personally. Sure. Well, and I think that translates to, and when you're talking about health food, translates to a translates to a veggie burger, right? Which is still one of the harder things to get done well anywhere. Um, and you guys do some interesting things with veggie burgers. Yeah, we have a. Uh, you know we. I'm not going to say it's a love hate from our from our guest, but you know, we've gotten a few people that would say it's one of the worst things they have ever eaten, and then I've got a a lot more people that say it's the best veggie burger they've ever eaten. So, I'm going to stick with that. You know, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be happy about that, but we're always, you know, looking to improve at times. You know, the veggie burger is a pain in everyone's ass. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you talk about recipes, you know, get, we need a recipe for this. We need a recipe for that. You know, give me a recipe for, you know, a bag of 50 pounds worth of beets. Cook them, cool them, shred them. Your your weights are different. Everything's different. You know, how long did you cook them? Did the rice cooker get up to temp at the same speed uh, day one to day two? All these things impact the way your beets cook, with the moisture content of them at the end of the day. So you're left with a pile of beets that you have to figure out how to get the texture right. So our, our veggie <laughs> burger, you know what? It's not the most consistent thing in the world. I think it's up there. It's pretty consistent. I've been a part of some pretty shit veggie burger restaurants that have yeah. been all over the place. But uh, I've had a lot of terrible ones, too. Yeah. yeah and, and I think comparatively, I mean, I eat our veggie burger every week, at least once, if not more times. Uh, and I think it's great. I, you know, I think on the, in the right combinations of toppings, it can be one of the better sandwiches yeah. you'll, you'll ever have. But you know, some people don't like the toppings I want to recommend for that. But in, in far, as far as the veggie burger goes, you know, it's, it's basically three components. It's beets, it's uh, rice and black beans. The fourth component followed very shortly. Christian. Raisins. Lots of fucking raisins. Yeah. raisins. A lot of raisins. <laughs> you know, and we've of... got some people that reviewed us. They fucking put grapes in my veggie burger. There's fucking grapes <laughs> no, they, used there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they used they to be grapes. Yeah. They used to be grapes. At one <laughs> point, I mean, they were grapes. Yeah. Yeah. But and then you know like the the garlic and all the other stuff. I mean it's it's mm-hmm. an in, it's an intense burger. I mean there's no doubt about it. It's not a it's not a withering yeah. withering debutante. It is a it's an intense vegetarian experience. Yeah, right? in we, a lot of ways. I mean you're you're pushing flavors on it. And we want it to be different too. It's it's not like any veggie burger I've ever had before. And I've I've had some horrible ones. I've had some good ones. And you know, and I'm not just trying to stroke anyone's ego right now. But it's a really good veggie burger, yeah. and I'm I'm totally into it. Yeah. Well, I, I find it interesting because you, you mentioned you're not a health food place, but there's always options for people yeah. that want to eat well, and your place is no no exception. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't eat a lot of beef anymore. I used to eat a lot more. Right. And if I go somewhere and there's a good veggie option, I walk away happy without having eaten beef or bacon. Yeah. Right. 
And and yeah, we're not a health food restaurant, but we're also not trying to push the you know stereotypical American gluttonous diet. You know, like you look at our burgers, you you get a double, and and you're looking at you know at most a half pound burger. We're not we're not trying to come up with concoctions with bacon coated you know, blue cheese slathered, you know, studded with pancetta, you know, we're at least not yet, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, we're doing like such a, a classic simple thing. We're not, you know, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, yeah, it is still beef. It is still a burger, but it, we're, we're not, I don't think we're making America fatter. No, but if they're going to be, then that's their own choice. They're, <laughs> they're going to add all well the toppings put. on there. On their own. Well, if yeah. they're going to be, yeah. why, not, going why to. not buy a delicious burger? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about local sourcing. Um, that's it's a tricky one. It, it's a complicated topic. And I know it's something that's, that's, uh, something you've done a lot of media about is local sourcing. Yeah. Because you're a, you're a conscientious, you're a conscientious owner slash chef. Yeah. And local sourcing has been a big part of Swill Burgers since the beginning. Um, why are you taking the effort? Yeah, it uh, from okay. So the local food movement, you know, it's obviously been around. You know, it's popping up everywhere. It's popped up everywhere. This person started it in Rochester. That person started it in Rochester. Who gives a fuck? You know what? <laughs> a lot of people started caring in Rochester, and that's great. So when opening this place, it felt imperative to at least try. You know, so uh, f- but it was hard. You know, we're doing a burger joint. How are you going to make a burger joint a local foods restaurant? You know, are we going to make this burger joint farm to table? And then over the winter, people are going to have, you know, beef and bun. Or are we going to try to maximize a few certain high quality ingredients that we're really proud of and just bring in as many people as possible? And that that all came to, you know, came to a head in a Wegmans one day where originally we had a local beef option and a conventional beef option on the menu. And this was, you know, up, up until two months before we opened three months before we opened, that was the, that was the deal. And it was just a a revelation that, you know what, fuck it. You know, if we can make a choice right now and try our best to keep our profit, our, our price points low, uh, our profit margins just high enough where it's worth it, then let's make this choice for everyone that comes through the doors, whether or not they know about it or not. So that was our decision with the beef or, you know, we've been through, you know, the beef sourcing can still continues to be chaos. You know, we, we started with one group, we went to another, we had consistency with another right now. We are sourcing beef through uh, seven bridges who, who has always done a good quality product. Absolutely. Um, but even then, you know, our beef conundrums exist. You know, we started with this, um, you know, mission that we were going to grind and we were going to grind and grind and grind. And And you have a nice grinder back there and we have a nice grinder back there, but push came to shove. We were getting a very inconsistent product, um, that, that, you know, we, they just weren't ready for us. So we had to move and it wasn't a bad move. We're happy to be working with seven bridges. They provide an excellent product, but they couldn't keep up with our cuts, you know? So, so right now we're using, um, seven bridges ground, which again, I don't feel as a cop out, you know, I want to get back to grinding ourselves, but you know, this, the marketplace right now, it's not easy. Story after story has been out in local media, uh, you know, national media about how hard this process is, you know, so the, the beef is local. Another big item we use is obviously the potatoes. Our potatoes come from, um, Williams farm in Marion, I believe. And, you know, there we we had a potato taste test. We tried out three or four varieties. Wow. We um, 
you know, and, and, and then shit hit the fan with that. You know, the first crop that we liked the most was wiped out by some shit called Blackheart. And that meant that all the potatoes were rotted from the inside out. So then we had to move on to, you know, choice number two. But, you know, a flood came and wiped that fucker out. So, <laughs> you know, now and that's it's not like a, a joke. The, no, I know. The fields crazy. were flooded, you know. So regardless, we're still using a high quality potato that tastes insane for French fries. However, it's killing us because it's it's every day the fuckers are different. You know, we right. blanch them day one. They come out like fucking McDonald's French fries, the most golden, beautiful, delicious things. And then day two, they're black. Yeah. You know, and we're yeah. you know, it's hard for us because we've seen it the way it can be. You know, Christian, you know, he's a thorn in my side because <laughs> He, he he refuses to settle. And as much as I appreciate that, it's also a pain in my ass. Yeah, I'm definitely a pain in the ass. So, <laughs> so with these potatoes, he won't stop giving me a hard time. You know, we can't get these things. We're, we struggle to get a, um, a consistent color on these things, um, at least in regards to the ideal color. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I think he's conceded to the fact that when these things are done cooking, no matter how light or how dark they are, they're absolutely no. the greatest tasting. They French taste fries. great. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So you're talking about you're talking about consistency, and you're dealing with, and I think it's it's one of those things that people don't don't think about. If you're dealing with trying to source as much as you can locally, you're dealing with a higher level of variance. Because you're not getting stuff from all around the country ground into one product that is turned into a, you know, a consistent product. Yeah. There's a reason that every burger you get from McDonald's is exactly the same. And that every fry is exactly the same or very close because, you know, they're sourcing generic. They're sourcing everything right. at one to one level. And I think it's a good point that, that Brian was talking about. How do you, from a chef perspective, how do you deal with the variation? And how do you embrace the variation? I mean, it's frustrating to start when when you see this beautiful product that you 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 just see as like this ideal. If we're talking French fries, this ideal French sure. fry, this golden brown, delicious looking, like picturesque French fry, um, and then the next day you just get something that your mind just tells you is completely just looks like shit. Um, but it tastes great, and I think it took for me it took a little while to get over the fact that it didn't necessarily look like what i thought was pretty but it tasted phenomenally and i think that was some hurdle that i had to get over with it uh that it doesn't always have to look like what what you picture you know it's it's about how the product tastes and how you get the product and the process that you go through and the work that gets put into it and even though i wasn't originally happy with how they looked i know that when they go out they taste great and and it was just something I had to get over personally with it, that it's not always about what it looks like because I'm not getting some mass-produced French fry like potato. I'm, I'm getting something that's local, and there's going to be differences. There's going to be differences depending on on how they were grown or what was happening with the weather or, or the soil. And, Time of year. Right. And, and you know, like, and that's that's kind of beautiful in itself. That Like, it's this, it's a product that's real. And I and I'm happy to be serving that to somebody. Yeah, so, it's and, it's also funny and, and something that I feel like was also part of the breaking point, at least for me, when I seceded to say, okay, these these are we'll sell these, and is that we we just asked a few other people, you know, what what a few other people thought, even kitchen workers, bar staff, 
take a look at these two potatoes. Which one do you think looks better? And they all were pointing to the darker one because to them, it looked more handmade. Right. And, you know, to us, it was like, well, what the fuck? We think this one looks better. And we were so dead set on a McDonald's looking French fry is the pinnacle of French fries that hearing any other viewpoint was shit. But ultimately, you know, this it's just like how we have to deal with the specials we create. It's kind of it's it's not doesn't always and it shouldn't always be about what we think is good. Right. You know, like if we just did what we think was good, you know, we might have one dish on the menu every day and we oh, it would change fantastic. every day. Okay. You oh, know, that sounds but, great. But it's that that that's not what brings people through the door. What brings yeah. people through the door is what they want and what they feel is good. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the 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 ingredients, you know, there's variance, you know. We just hope, and, and I think most people see that and, and understand that. You know, I, I haven't had a million people tweeting or really talking shit about how dark our potatoes are. They look burnt. And I, I'd like to think that's because either A, they like the way they look, or B, they like the way they taste. Yeah. Which, in the end, more important than just about anything else. I hope so. <laughs> and from my perspective, they look exactly like the fries that i always picture as the ideal swiss chalet fries oh, that i grew up with jesus i never even been to swiss chalet. it's only it's only in ontario now it was in buffalo when i was a kid right and on. of course florida for tax reasons <laughs> um but yeah the, those dark fries yeah that's exactly what i always expected right on um i don't know what let, let's spend a little time with with backgrounds just because i find it i always find it interesting to see where people came from so seems like both of you guys have a bit of a boston background in some way or another yeah yeah, Christian more so than I. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, where where are you from the area? Yeah, I grew up in uh grew up in Stoneham, Mass, which is just about ten miles north of Boston. Um you know, worked in Boston, uh various restaurants, uh which was where I met Brian actually at a vegetarian restaurant that he hired me for after I had uh, left Uno Chicago Grill. Ooh, classy. Yeah. Classic deep dish. Based. Like it. Oh, yeah. Boston deep dish. It's just Bo- yeah. a, it's classic <laughs> well, Boston deep dish. Classic <laughs> Boston deep dish. Actually, that's where their headquarters are, too. Is it really? Yeah. Of course it's, it is. It's just outside of Boston. Yeah, obviously. Um, I, went to, uh, I went to a vegan vegetarian culinary school in uh, midtown Manhattan for a while. Interesting. Yep. And now I'm cooking burgers. <laughs> Well, you know, it's uh, I find I find vegan cooking really interesting because there's there's so much interest in vegetarian vegan oh, cooking yeah. nowadays, and there's people finding new things all the time. Yeah, it's and it's you know it's fun too, and and when especially when you expect everybody to be so like meat centric when you go to these places, I feel like when you give somebody a really great vegetable product, it kind of kind of psychs them out and pumps them up. You know, like you're not. You know, you should eat your vegetables. You should yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> well, and I, I appreciate that, and that's um, like I was saying. That two things on the on the vegetable thing. We got recently. I, I saw something interesting when they were using. They found a use for chickpea liquid. Mm. Uh, yeah, I actually a- a- aquafaba. Yeah, which is, I they, read they, about that. They actually. came up with a with a term for it, but now it's being used to make you know essentially creamy dressings because it can and it can whip up into a meringue. Wow! By oh, I itself, didn't read that. just out of a can, you say out of like a can. can chickpea juice. Yeah, that juice you can put it in a stand liquor. Mixer. Yeah, I and like it'll a vegan mayo recipe for it. Ooh, and that's yeah. that's I tried it recently, and it worked out fantastically. The really? textures, textures fantastic. I the hope flavors. you just threw out the rest of the chickpeas. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it tell you what, it's surprisingly effective, and like that kind of creativity 
that people really want to make great food out of vegetables, regardless of where why. I mean, make make great food out of it. Yeah. Don't necessarily turn into something that it's not. Don't try to copy steak. Yeah. You know, don't try to yeah. Don't try to be something you're not. I, I love vegetables for vegetables' sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's always my been my opinion. I don't know what your experience with that has been. I mean, personally, just from what I know, sometimes, sometimes it's different with vegans or vegetarians who who might want a product that kind of mimics something else. But everybody's different. Some some vegans and vegetarians that I know just want the vegetables and want the vegetables showcased for what they are. But sometimes they, for good reasons, want you know something that reminds them of something else. And I, yeah. you know, that's totally fine too. Yeah. But I think it's really important uh, with vegetables to kind of highlight what they are and and do something nice with them and showcase them for that. Uh, yeah, and it, and it does seem like you're able to play around a little bit with the vegan side of things at. Oh yeah, at the absolutely. It seems like some of the interesting sauces and creations you've been able to play around with that and keep that uh, integrated. Absolutely, you know, and we both have a pretty pretty extensive background with things like that and. You know, we want to take care of vegetarians and vegans, too, We, especially being at a burger place. You know, we have a great veggie burger and we also we don't want that to be the, you know, aside from French fries or just plain tots. We don't want that to be the, you know, the limitation. You know, we want them to be able to get other things and, and even meat eaters as well, like being able to try something that, you know, might be vegan. Like, who cares? Fuck yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I, I find it kind of embarrassing when restaurants don't take the time to at least do something for for their other guests that enjoy vegetarian or vegan food. Yeah. When it, and it's an afterthought and they just put, you know, a salad and french fries and something else. I, it's kind of embarrassing to me when the, I look at that menu. The Rochester vegetarian vegan community is just exploding. It's huge. You know, and it's, it's evident because of the restaurants that are now opening or have mm-hmm. been open for a few years where there haven't been, you know. And it's evident by the bo- uh, the Rochester Vegan Society who took a visit to Swilberger a couple weeks ago and just bombarded our place with about a <laughs> hundred people ordering veggie burgers. You know, like this this is a group of people of conscientious eaters who um, you know believe what they do and they 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 stick to their you know values and you know whether or not you agree with them, this is a community that needs to eat. And yeah. when a restaurant, you know, neglects them, that's their loss, you know, right. because Absolutely. for the most part, these are the most loyal customers you can you can have in your business. Right. And adventurous most of the time, too, because they, they want excitement. They want something good. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they're not getting it somewhere else, then, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd rather be the one who gets it. Yeah. So how has the transition been from, I'm assuming you were a little on the finer dining side of things before, or were you always in, I mean, obviously you said Uno. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's the finer dining side. Yeah, the, the, the finer, <laughs> yeah. The fi- yeah, the finer places the in finer. Boston. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done my share of Cobb salads. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I did some, I did some nicer stuff. I, I, I worked in, for a very brief period of time, worked in a really nice, uh, nice pizza restaurant uh, in Boston that was... Uh, called the Area Four. Very mm. brief time. They they won't remember me. <laughs> um, they definitely won't. But you know, that was probably like the extent of it. I I really don't have too much interest in fine dining. Uh, while I 
will occasionally go out for it and spend the money and have a great time. What what if you could open a restaurant of your own? Why don't you tell Chris what that restaurant might consist of? Oh, so, yeah, Brian, Brian's never asked this question before. I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> my my dream restaurant that I would like to open someday after you know making it big in Swillburger uh, would be. Uh, Chinese takeout restaurant that is just a little bit better than your your run of the mill takeout restaurant. Maybe one <laughs> booth it. in there. Yeah. Um, there would have to be pictures for the menu above right. the counter. I'd probably be working in the back and running to the counter and just hating my life. But <laughs> I'd be making the food that I want to eat every single day, and that would be, um, you know, slightly above average Chinese food. <laughs> Now, Shoot Amer- for the stars. Yeah, yeah. Amer- Americanized Chinese food. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's what he likes. Uh, I that's, mean, it, I'm gonna get some right after this. I yeah, that is a little bit I embarrassing. Eaten yet today, I've only had coffee. I had a, <laughs> a beer before I got here, and right. a couple cigarettes, and I'm really ready for Chinese food. So. Yeah, well, that that is the perfect time for it. Is when it's everything's broken, nothing is fine. I need all the calories in me right now. Yeah, just in the worst way. <laughs> So let's talk about really good food and yeah. local stuff right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I guess unless you have any amazing stories about your about your restaurant background, I'm going to shift over to shift over to Brian now. Yeah, you can make that move. I'll make the move. <laughs> I'll, I'll close my mouth on this one. <laughs> so you've been in in and around Rochester for a while now. Yeah, I bouncing was, around. I was born in the area. Kind of grew up in the area, then uh, kind of moved around quite a bit, spent some time in Boston, then in Hawaii, then in uh, Ithaca briefly, then in Providence, Rhode Island, went to culinary school in Providence, Rhode Island, was, uh, you know, two credits shy of graduating and said, fuck it, I don't need this shit. And more or less, that's what my professors there told me, uh, the chef instructors, uh, and then kind of landed a job as a sous chef in some shithole in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, a little suburb of Boston. You know, that sucked. And uh, then I kind of, you know, just bounced around a little more until I got a call from an old boss to open up a spot in Cambridge, Mass., which was um, this vegetarian diner concept where we tried to, you know, up the ante a little bit, provide a diner menu, but have it all be vegetarian or vegan optional. And, uh, you know, day one had Christian on board as my prep guy. Day two, he was the sous chef. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just plugged away as best we could after, um, you know, I guess right before Veggie Galaxy is when I, uh, helped Jeff, my current business partner, open the Owl House. Um, he was trying to throw together a concept in this little old building that I used to work at back when it was the atomic egg plant. And, uh, oh, you were there beforehand too. I was serving at the Atomic Eggplant, and mainly one of the owner Megs, her her gopher. I would call myself. I ran to the market to pick up produce. I ran to the market to pick up flowers. I would go to the bank to make deposits. You're the glue guy. I I, I well maybe she was the glue person because when she <laughs> left, it all fell apart. Yeah, you know? but, sure. Uh, but when I heard he was doing a spot in the old Atomic Eggplant building, I you know I at this point I had gone from never really working in a kitchen to. Um, what I thought at the time was knowing everything there was to be known. I mean, I had worked <laughs> in kitchens for four years at this point. I had seen it all. Yeah, seen I had some shit. <laughs> I was I was made a chef of uh, some little shithole restaurant in uh, 
fucking financial district in Boston that no one ever came to. And then I kind of made a menu and actually brought some people out. And, and I was like, man, I'm a real chef. Look at me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and then moving back to do Owl House really was damn near impossible. That was another place that, you know, back at, back at that time in Rochester, you know, we we got some decent press for for what we were doing out I there. Remember, yep. And when we opened, you know, the same story. When we opened that place, we we had three people in the kitchen, and that's all we needed. Andrea, the owner at the time, was going to run lunch. I was going to run dinner, and we were going to have you know maybe one other person do dishes. And uh, the first night we were just fucked. Oh yeah, and, and uh, you know. When I look back at what we were doing now, you know, and this is the way I feel. This is not a diss on what, what we were doing then, but this is the way I feel about everything I was doing previous to now. And what one day I'll f- look back on and feel like what we're doing now is just fucking shit. You yeah. know, like, and, and I don't blame that on anyone but myself because I thought I knew it all. You right. know, with Owl House, I knew it all. With Veggie Galaxy, oh, I've had all this experience. I know what we're going to do. This is going to be the best. I will say that each time progressively gets better. And this is the first time I've been. Uh, had any ownership stake in, in a business, and I take that very seriously, and I refuse to like, you know, really compromise and and to think that we're settling with anything we do right now. But you know, this place we've never been more prepared. I've never been more prepared when with when this place opened with the volume of business we did. You know, if I had been any other iteration of me in any other previous restaurant it would have closed or it would have broken me or it would have broken the whole staff. You know, every other restaurant leading up until this one, I've cried my eyes out during opening or my first few weeks there out of just, you know, depression and exhaustion and disappointment. So this place and that I'm not going to say completely belongs to, you know, it's not completely why, what, what Christian has done, but he's been here with me every step of the way when we were developing this, you know, concept we, you know, he was in Boston, he'd make trips up to Rochester to, to just brainstorm, brainstorm, brainstorm. And this, you know, we, we, the, the building took forever to get ready. And that was not a bad thing. You know, people got pissed, people got cranky. They called us incompetent. They said, we didn't know what we're doing. They said we wouldn't last two months, you know, go back and read some of these fucking yeah. Reddit threads. Yeah. Fuck that. Those people, man. Yeah, and I you do, do like, want to talk about that. And, and the, you know, th- these guys don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. They're out of money. They're asking for, well, let's, you know, let's get into it. Let's, okay, let's get, let's, let's get into do it. This. Let, let's get into it. So <laughs> yeah. on, on Reddit, I'm, yeah. I'm not a Redditor, but I read the Rochester thing just, just to see what's going on, just to see what people are saying. And since the beginning, since the first word came out, one of the most popular things to talk about on Reddit in Rochester has been <laughs> Swillburger. Yeah. And from the, from, the, from the beginning, this is, I mean, now it took a little while. And it ramped, but the biggest comments came from Kickstarter. Yeah, came from the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We so, didn't know what we're doing. So we're, right, there's Let's, a strike. There's a, <laughs> the construction workers are on strike. Yeah, what the fuck? Right. So, yeah. so let's let, let's talk about the Kickstarter yeah, for a second because that, that's a huge part of a lot of the discourse going around this place. Yeah, was was the Kickstarter. Yeah. So as you mentioned before, this was a huge renovation. Oh yeah, you guys were taking a ancient building that mm-hmm. was woefully it had been a fire not ready it had been abandoned there was 
floors that didn't, you know, couldn't support one person. It's haunted. It's haunted. It's still haunted. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah. But so, so this, this build out, you know, we budgeted, we budgeted and budgeted. We had this insane budget that we scraped and, you know, got every cent we could, family, friends, anyone we could. And, and we put together a nice budget. This was enough to, to, to buy out our kitchen equipment, to refurbish this whole building. You know, we, we don't own the building. We, we have a lease that, you know, in a few years, we might be able to own the building, but we kind of relied on the landlord to, you know, help push along this process a little bit. So push comes to shove. Every time we did one thing, 10 more things were wrong. And, you know, what we had projected to need to get this building open was maybe a fourth of what we actually needed. And the problem is when you're renovating a building, it's not like, okay, here's the total cost. I'll get to work. You know, I'll cut you a check. You then the, then the general contractor gets to work. When you're renovating a building, every time you do something and something else comes into play that needs to be, you know, worked on or it won't pass code, that's additional cost, that's additional time, and you wouldn't have known that those things existed until then. It's just not possible. So long story short, we spent all our money and we needed a lot more. And that sucked, you know, that sucked. But our options were to A, abort and be 150 to 200 grand in debt or raise more capital and get this fucker open. So we did that. And Kickstarter provided, you know, I think 23,000 or 17,000. I forget the exact number. Either 17, I think we asked for 17,500 and we got around 22. But we still had to raise another 200K on top of that, you know? So uh, we, I've seen reviews of this place that said, oh, this business is community financed and community, the community paid for this building, you know, why don't they have parking? You know what? A lot of people chipped in money that I know, you know, was important to them. I've donated to Kickstarter and it doesn't come easy. I'm not just throwing fucking 20s willy-nilly. I, I, I donate to things I believe in. And it also helps when the perks are nice. So right, that's, that's what we tried to do. Well, and that's yeah. a whole other thing. So I don't I think something that people don't understand is when there's when you see that number at the end, when you see twenty three thousand dollars profit. Twenty three thousand yeah. out of four hundred. Yeah. And that's not one, they take a cut. Mm-hmm. They take a cut on top. And then you have to pay for all those perks right, that yeah. are on that thing. And you and you have to make the perks of a high enough quality that people will want to buy them. You know, you can't just put up, I'll give you a high five on fucking Twitter, you right. know, for, for 20 bucks or, or 25. Whatever. It's not just $25 t-shirts. Right. <laughs> right. It's, you know, we, we, we tried to do things that were actually valuable and that were, if you spend this money, it will pay off in the long run. You know, we asked for 25 bucks for a five burger punch card, you know, because yeah. of the ingredients we use, you're saving a lot of money by doing that, you know? Maybe not a lot, but you're saving money while also helping us get this little bump of cash. And again, not little. People put in a lot of money. And absolutely. We, we absolutely appreciate it. But 
it this 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 bump is what got us to the next over the next hurdle, which is what gave, bought us enough time to raise that other hundred k and then the other hundred k on top of that. So all these people saying that we're just amateurs, you know what? Open a fucking business and let <laughs> yeah. me come down there and be transparent and let me fucking watch you do everything and and I'll be sure to give you my goddamn critique. Right? How's that? Well, I, I think that's I think that's a huge thing too is transparency. And people got really people got anxious. So mm, in you're, you're in the right. middle of a huge build out. Now right. I'm and I, I'm gonna come across as an apologist and I, I'm that's gonna happen regardless. So whatever people want to say about that, I don't care. Um you're in the middle of a huge build out and people expect for you to be giving daily updates. And and, and we fucking failed there. I will I will own up to that. You know what? It was not an afterthought, but it just got buried, you yeah. know. And it's also it was also stressful because there was days when I'd go home, and and be devastated because of the lack of shit that would get done that day. And the last thing I want to do is go online and say, "Hey, nothing got done this week. At least nothing you can tangibly see." Because the plumbers had been working in the basement for the last forty hours, making sure that we can handle the shit and piss of a thousand people a day. Okay. Do you want me to take photos of that? No, just my own. It's not, it's not exciting, you know, but, but then there, again, there was weeks when there was holdups and there was, Oh shit, this person didn't get scheduled to come in and, you know, dig the trowel to insert the floor drain before the Tyler had to come in here. You know, yeah, it got mixed up. So there was days when we weren't, you know, there was weeks and, and and maybe even a month where we weren't as transparent as possible. So I definitely agree that. Yeah, you know, and it's, that's that's hard. But I mean, at the same time, when people look at it, they expect you to be the hundred percent expert in everything that you do. And now, as you mentioned, you're you're an owner's stake in this, so they're expecting you not only to be the expert in food, but now you're also expected to be an expert contractor, mm. and that's that's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole other ball game from everything else you've been, you spent time becoming proficient in. Right, and it was an insane learning experience. I was fortunate enough to have Jeff Ching, you know, basically spearheading the majority of all of that. You know, he dealt with things that were way above my knowledge base. You know, just words about you know electricity that you know he had dealt with before because he owned a business that went through very similar you know, a very similar build out at, you know, a very much smaller scale, but he still knew this terminology where, you know, if you would have said this stuff to me, yeah, now I know a little bit, but you know, it was learned by the seat of my pants, you know, but like I said, without him, this, it, it, it never would have happened. You know, he was there to be able to deal with this stuff. And I can't imagine what that must've been like, you know, having that all on your shoulders for the first time, you know, right. seeing how stressful it was the second time. It wasn't fun. We weren't, you know, jumping, you know, joyriding around town, going on vacations, having fun. We were there, sweat fucking equity. You know, we were ripping out the ceilings ourselves. We were strapping on the gas masks and, you know, dealing with all the dust and painting. You know, my I, I hired my dad, free fucking labor, to spend 60 hours a week, the man's 65 years old, up on a 30-foot ladder painting the ceilings. You know, we weren't like, spare no expense. We were spare every fucking expense we can. Let's get this fucker open. Right. So, and then then you're reading all the comments on Reddit because I, I know I know you are. Well, and I know I, I, know I you read didn't. A bunch. I, I read them all once 
responded, vowed to never read it again because of how much <laughs> negativity this was a black hole of bullshit and didn't read it again until someone else brought it up at a, one of our managers' meetings that said, oh, I think we should check out this Reddit thread. I, I don't even remember what the second one was about. So but the I, first one, I did read every single one. The, fir- the first one the first one was rough. <laughs> and the second... No, I, don't, I didn't go back and pull exact quotes. Yeah. But I recall people going as far as saying... Oh, they're they're just in. They just took the money and they're running away. <laughs> I remember that one. That that was one of my favorites. I mean, yeah. and personally, now, now I'm not involved. I, I don't want to say I'm involved in anything, but when I saw that, I'm like, you really have no idea that these are real people. That yeah. this isn't a corporation. That these aren't. Um, these aren't. This isn't a massive conglomerate of people. These are a small group of people whose this is their lives and this is. They're investing everything into this. Absolutely. And I'm like, these are these are local people. You know, Jeff has another restaurant. Brian was involved in that. He's from the area. These aren't this isn't McDonald's. This isn't right. Pizzeria Uno. <laughs> you know, no. this this isn't Absolutely. this isn't one of those places. These these are real people opening a business. And when I saw them, I'm like, you really just have no idea what's going on. And it, it wasn't it wasn't just one person, it was lots of people. Yeah. It, w- it was across the board. I mean, there was just lies or rumors, which I had never heard. You know, the only worthwhile bit I found in there was when one of the people said, I know one of the owners, he's a walking taint. And I thought that was really fucking clever because they didn't say which one it was. Right. So we got two guys pointing fingers at each other. You're the taint. You're the taint. And it was kind of funny. You know, but there was, you know, but on top of all that, there actually was some positivity in there. There was people that I don't, I don't know that, that knew about what we were doing. You know, we, we weren't absent. We were doing pop-ups. We were trying to stay connected. We were trying to keep on the radar of people because of this project was dragging on you know uh yeah i just it's really disappointing that all of these people and it maybe it's anonymous or not you know like the anna just the fact that you can do all this shit behind some computer monitor i know how it feels to be behind a computer monitor and spew your guts and say whatever the fuck you want i used to do that you know right but it's it's very personal to people and I'm not going to say I was heartbroken about it. I was fucking pissed about it for a day. And I responded uh, at the time. I felt very adequately just clarifying, you know, here's what's going on. Uh, But, you know, it's just the nature of Reddit, I guess. You know, I'm not, you you know, I have read it. I have read Reddit twice in my life, both as, as these situations have come up and I've been made aware of them. But that just, you know, there's, with nowadays, I said this to somebody else, there's too many fucking platforms to handle. You know, like I can't deal with it. There's Facebook, Twitter, fucking Instagram. Craigslist, or, you Inst- know, Instagram, Instagram. Yelp. Yeah. And, and, Foursquare, and, whatever. And people will write shit to you all the time and critique you on so many platforms. It's, it's hard to really keep up with all this shit. And with Reddit, you know what? Fuck Reddit. I'm out of it. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Came over. So I mean, yeah, that that was that was a huge thing for a while, and and it's it's not over. You know, it's 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 not over, and you know, you know, I, I've I've heard a number of things, and I've and I think to your credit, to what's been going on on Yelp, we we've talked about parking briefly. Parking has been a big one. There's been some 
Yeah, that some, was that was a Reddit. Nonsense. That yes. was a Reddit thread, right? About it, it, there was there was something. there was Yelp. There was Reddit, but yeah. you know, it's I I I don't get it that people. It's a it's a business located in the city. There's not parking. In the, we have a lot of parking in Rochester, more than we need, more sure. than we should have. But there can't be parking everywhere. The South Wedge doesn't have parking. Like two businesses have parking in the entirety of the South Wedge, basically. Right. South Wedge and Swilberg. I mean, there's just not parking. I, I mean, this this came to a head back when Owl House opened. You know, Jeff. He's also someone who spent a lot of time in Boston, myself, and obviously Christian. You know, Christian, how many fucking places have parking in Boston? Jack you know, shit. Jack shit, you yeah. know? And and that's fine because if you do something that you believe in and you make it of a of a decent quality, if not a great quality, it'll draw people in. Everyone said when Owl House opened, you'll never do well. There's no parking. There's no parking. You should rent that lot across the street. You should rent that lot down by abundance. You know what? It, if it's... If it was good enough, people would go. And Owl House has been open for almost six years now. So when this place was opening, it was just a broken fucking record. You know, you, there's no parking. You got to get parking. You know, we're a bigger venue. We house a lot more people. Uh, so sometimes at the beginning, I thought maybe it was valid. You know, maybe we do need parking. But there was no option. And basically what it came down to was when it was dis- decision time, do we choose this building or, you know, what are other other options? And I caught a little flack from some people on Facebook, but I was saying some shithole in Henrietta strip mall or something like that, you know, like why not bring life to a beat ass building in the middle of a really cool neighborhood of our city? You know, why not do that? And, yeah. and, 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 if we do it of a high quality, people will find parking. You know, the city said park on Megs. That's cool. Over the overpass. That's cool. I think it's fucking unbelievable to leave work almost any single night of the week and see how we have helped transform that neighborhood. You know, already it used to be that overpass was a dark, scary place. Absolutely. And now it's lined with cars. There's activity. There's people walking. You know, I'm not saying we did it. I'm saying we're one of the kinks in this wheel that are, you know, like, or one of the spokes in this tire. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what laughs> some the, metaphor or some shit. We're one of the metaphors. The gears in this bicycle. Gears yeah. on the bicycle. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like where you're you going know, there. And it's, it's helping make a city neighborhood cool. Yeah, and that, that whole area is transitioning, and it's great. And it's transitioning in a semi in an inorganic like way, you know. There's it's a business that fits in, that people want to walk to, that people want to be involved in, and people are walking, people are biking. I live two blocks away and I drive there, so (laughs) I find parking. If I can find parking, you can find parking, (laughs) or you can walk. That's cool too. Yeah, two blocks though. I mean that that's that's why God invented cars. Just don't park in the <laughs> lot behind the firehouse; you'll get towed. <laughs> or the lot behind the playhouse, you will get towed. Yeah, uh, yeah. At night times they they chain that off. Although we've seen a few people drive straight through the chain. Break these <laughs> chains. <laughs> yeah. Oh, break these chains that bind our parking lots. <laughs> oh God. So the other the other stuff. I, and I don't want to be too negative because you know in a lot of ways I'm. I'm a big fan. I've been a big proponent since the beginning. I've been, I went to a lot of the pop-ups. I push the place because I, I appreciate what you're doing and why you're doing it. But it's not, it's not common enough nowadays that people are transparent about 
what's going on. And something I've respected since you've since you guys opened was that you've been addressing things. And again, it's not always perfect. Mm. And you know, I talk to other people in the business and I'm like, well, maybe I wouldn't have done it that way. But I appreciate that he's doing something. <laughs> I appreciate that he's trying. And it's it, sometimes it's confrontational, sometimes it's educational, sometimes it's just positive. I feel like a lot of it might come off defensive, if anything else. You know, like, I think admitting mistakes is fine. And and I think that, you know, like, opens people's eyes more than, more than anything. They're used to people being so defensive all the time that when, when they hear someone say, you know what, you're right, you know, like, it's kind of a shock. So... You know, there there's two different elements here. You know, there's there's a common theme of complaints or you know, uh, advice that you get. Oh, you know, you should really do this. You should really do that. And then there's what's realistic and what's not. So, if if the voices are strong enough, if they're consistent enough, if you're hearing multiple people with the same problems, then yeah, we address them. I mean, we were talking today. You know. We've got some people complaining a lot about our bartenders lately, you know, saying they're they are too busy socializing with their friends and they're, you know, not they're they're going to other people before they go to us. And they're, you know, I've been here for 10 minutes and they walked right by me to go talk to their friends. You know what? If it's if it seems like a reoccurring thing, we love our bartenders. We were saying today that it's hard to imagine them being grumpy, you know, because some people said they're, you know, they're just miserable. Because we think they're such great people and they have the right personalities for the jobs. But you know what? On Saturday, we had a mess of a night. Yeah. And, you know, there was some scavenger hunt going on where they brought 90 people in all screaming at the bartenders, are you the secret agent? And that was part of the scavenger hunt. And the bartenders didn't know what was going on. And and there was people making out and almost like having intercourse on the Cruising <laughs> USA machine. It's not safe. No. <laughs> not safe. Those, not those safe. steering wheels just aren't comfortable. No. So the point no. is, Chris, that when these are reoccurring things, you know, we do take it seriously. And why? Because it's a good business practice. You know, like people want to be heard. And we hear everybody. I hear everybody. My phone, for better or for worse, goes off two or three times a day with a review from Google or a review from Yelp or a fucking four-star on Facebook. And I read them all. You know, I don't respond to them all. But if it's a consistent complaint or if it's something that I can totally see their point, which is most of the time, you know, we're happy to address these things. You know, it's, you know, it's, transparency in your business has has proven with our case to be nothing but beneficial and that's what you know that's why you know it baffles me whenever i've done one of these facebook posts there's like a million people like liking it and saying oh we appreciate this we appreciate this you know and from the day from the first time we got those responses it was it was evident we got to keep doing it you know yeah. because we don't just this stuff doesn't just bounce off us, you know, the complaints and advice. It doesn't just we don't just not think about it. We're in this business to make a strong business that makes money, puts people to work, gives people's jobs and puts out of, you know, a cool food product and allows people to have a good time. We want to be in business, you know, a million for years. a million years, yeah, you know. Absolutely. So so if if listening to people is all it takes to make them happy, then I'm all fucking ears, you Yeah. Know? <laughs> Well, I, I think that's the thing. When, when you when you take the time to listen to the people behind something that's going on, 
when you realize, as I mentioned before, and it's something that people forget all the time, that Brian's behind this and Christian's behind this and Jeff's behind this. It's not just the name of the business right. that you're talking to people mm-hmm. and that there's, regardless of what you want to say, there's the right way and the wrong way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've taken to heart through through my time is you can always you can be critical. Being critical is important. I think it helps everybody in the end. But there's a difference between screaming and pounding your fists mm. and saying, hey, something could be better and here's why. And you don't have to listen. I mean that's the thing. There's there's opinions. Right. But there's that's that's the big difference. And I I, I know from the people I've talked to, they appreciate that. They appreciate the comments, they appreciate the feedback. And for, from a business that's been a hot button discussion point for months before it opened, yeah. I, I think you guys have handled it just about as best as you can under the circumstances. So I know I'm gonna transition off of that because yeah. I, I can only talk I can only talk negative <laughs> so long. I mean sort of negative, but still it's it's a topic that just doesn't get discussed and I'm like no, I, I appreciate it. The, to bookend it, you know what? Like everyone's got their own opinions and and that's not a problem, you know? Like you know, the the bad Yelp reviews, you know, if that's how people feel, that's fine. You know, we're not going to please everybody. We we brought a lot of people through the door and I didn't expect to please everybody. You know, I'm I'm a little bit surprised cuz because I'd like to think that people could see a little bit clear more clearly what what it is we're doing. But you know, like like what we were saying, just with specials and things. Right. We may not be doing what everyone else, what the majority of Rochester, upstate New York wants. You know, a large group of people do, and that's evident by our returning business. But, you know, if you came to our restaurant expecting a Tom Walls at a Tom Walls price, you came to the wrong place, you know? So don't expect two-thirds of a pound of meat on a double burger on a big poppy-seeded giant roll with, with a meat sauce with a meat sauce and Cover- a fucking pickle bar <laughs> covered covered with a <laughs> covered with hot sauce yeah which is know, like, that's, that, that's one thing I've, I've read a lot recently now i do, again i'm not a regular but they people love saying no hot sauce won't go there. yeah <laughs> yeah christian how do you feel i fucking hate hot sauce <laughs> see I, so that so you've had it yeah, I, I had uh, my first garbage plate two years ago. Okay. Uh, or was it Charlie up in Webster? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. You know, the pizza logs were delicious. I love that oh, you guys yeah. have pizza logs. It's <laughs> it beats deep dish, beats the shit out of it. But, the, you know, the combination of, like, the hot sauce on, like, on, like the the warm mayonnaise of the, like, yeah. Oh, salad, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, right. I'm not really into it. I mean, like. I love I love messy grimy things. I could eat anything out of a bowl, but just like <laughs> I don't think like cinnamon and meat belong together. Like it's not <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, and it, it's one of those weird Rochester things that people love. And if I ever get a garbage plate, it has no mac salad because we we don't we don't talk about mayonnaise here. <laughs> Although you did have some, we we did, and you know what? I'm I'm I have a softer take on mayonnaise than. Other people I know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't usually use this stuff, but, you know, sometimes, hey, if they, you're serving good fries and a good aioli, yeah. I'm all, all day. I'm all for that. 
But do I ever put it on a sandwich? Do I ever put it on a hamburger? Fuck no. I put it Never. on everything. Man. Oh, no. I, I just I, don't want it to be warm. <laughs> I hate it on a sandwich. I can't stand it on a sandwich. I just but spread I think it I, on bread. You just, just eat mayonnaise it like on that. bread? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so different. But yeah, I mean, to, to that point, you, you're talking about Rochester. So, you know, Brian, you're, you're from here. Christian, you're not. Why, why, why Rochester? Why, why was this? Why are you opening this place here? Uh, affordability, comfortability, um, the people, the, the time and place that Rochester's in right now, you know, uh, the first and foremost for me, I I could never afford to do what we're doing now anywhere else, you know, coming back to Rochester, this is where I grew up. I've got family here, you know, I'm not a mama's boy, but I, I, I wanted to spend more time around them. It's, you know, I spent the last 10 years of my life jumping around, you know, all different areas of the East Coast to Hawaii and just kind of doing my own thing. And after enough experience, I knew I was ready to run a place, you know, and we're not doing everything perfect. Christian looks at what we're doing and he sees things he would do differently. And I applaud him for that. That's what I did every business I've worked at until now. I looked at what other people were doing and saying, I could do that better. I could do that better. So in Rochester, it was time. I was ready to do something, and I also had the wherewithal and the affordability from you know from family investment from from my business partner Jeff and his investment. Oh, you're taking a fucking photo right now, Chris. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I, I mean, am I not allowed to social media in the middle of a recording session? So Rochester, yeah, multitasking <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so so yeah, Rochester provided all that, you know, to me. What doesn't Rochester have that other cities have, you know? It, I mean, it doesn't have the ocean, but it's got Lake Ontario. You know, it's, it's got, it's got uh, you know, the fucking Erie Canal. You yeah, know? That's we have a waterfall in the middle of our city. Yeah. yeah. Does Boston have that? Fuck no, it no. doesn't. Jesus. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful area. It's affordable to build a business, but it's also affordable to live. I became, you know, I'm 35 now and 36. What year is it? I think 16? you're 35. I'm 35. Yeah, perfect. So in 35 now, I was ready to, you know, like get out of the grind of taking the train everywhere for an hour a day each way, ready to settle down and, and actually put all of my energy into something for myself. So, you know, this community is ripe for good restaurants, you know, more and more are popping up. And they're small all small business in general. Small too. business. I feel like everybody Absolutely. I know owns a fucking business in this city. Right. And or you work really, for a small business. Right. It's really incredible. So yeah. that's why I chose Rochester. And I was just lucky enough to convince this schmuck to come along. Yeah. How, how have you found Rochester so far from some somebody not from here? Other than the other than the hot sauce. I mean, I've been coming up here for the past couple of years to to work uh with Brian at Owl House and whatnot and talk about, you know, Swilberger and the Playhouse as it was developing, but you know, I originally planned on coming up here just for a few months to help with the opening. And, you know, I think somehow he convinced me to come up here for longer. And and I love it. I, I like I think everybody's really friendly, especially coming from a city like Boston, where, you know, rightfully so, we're kind of pricks. I'm <laughs> definitely a prick. Um, and we're just kind of like crass people. But, you know, I, I, I like the the community aspect of it. I, I like the, the neighborhoods. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a city with a lot of uh, like culture and character. And I just find like weird little things here that I, 
I just wouldn't find in Boston. I think mm. it's kind of quirky in a really cool way. Yeah. And it's really affordable. We, yeah. Coming from Boston, oh, I was crazy. I was ready to to spend, you know, like eight, nine hundred bucks on just a room to to, you know, live somewhere. Whereas like now it's it's you know, it's pretty great. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I'm this this isn't just a generic Rochester talk show, but you know, I, I think there's there's a certain amount of enthusiasm right now too here in Rochester for people who are doing unique things, which is why I do what I do. I want to find people who give a shit about what they do, regardless of if it's smashing patties on a griddle or opening a business or supporting their supporting their workers. Sure. It's it's great to meet people that really care about what they do, regardless of what it is. And one of the reasons why I started talking to you is it's it was just one thing. I saw a crust on a burger. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. This guy cares about something. Yeah. And it's 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 weird what brings what brings people together to start talking. Sure. When you find somebody that's got that one thing. They say, "Oh, they care about something," mm. and then you can then you can have a conversation. Then you can meet somebody different, somebody new, <laughs> and have a real experience. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll I'll end it off with something I usually ask people: What where do you where do you go for where do you go for quick food if you're not working? Which is I'm sure not common. Quick right food, now. yeah, quick or or whatever food doesn't matter. It does, where where is your All Rochester right. spot? Well, let's do three. Let's do uh, let's come up with a game. Okay. Oh, we'll do uh, we'll do cheap counter service. Like it. Let then we'll do um, shit, and then we'll do favorite Rochester burger joint outside of Swill Burger. Ooh, that's a tough one. And then we'll do your favorite upper scale restaurant. All right, Chris, you start. Oh, see, I get to start. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what was favorite, it? First is favorite cheapo, like drive-up, counter service, quick service, super quick service. Ooh. Super quick's tough because I, I don't find a lot of them that I really enjoy. Mm. I mean, if it's if you're talking chains, Chipotle's the go-to. Fuck yeah, mm. my Just because friend. it's because it's really good. It's it's cheap. It's relatively cheap for yeah. a shit ton of food. Hell yeah. And even though you feel like a monster after eating it, if you don't put a ton of cheese and sour cream and everything You're on golden. it, yeah. it really, it's not that abysmal of a food. Well, what? So tell me about your chicken. Are you going burrito? You going bowl? You going going burrito? Chicken burrito? Chicken burrito? You going white or or brown? Brown, black, brown, black, healthy. brown, black, very healthy. Um, corn, red, corn, red, red meaning like the fresh tomato. The, the no, the hot, the hot, yeah, and, the and hot? some and some of the tomatoes. Okay, and then you're you're skipping sour cheese. No, sometimes I make my own guacamole at home. You make guac at home to yeah. put it in there. Yeah, you're I'm one like, of those people. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I will not pay the extra. No, I'm one. I'm cheap, and two, I like assertive seasonings. Yeah, All so right. their guacamole is boring. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's, it's 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 cilantro, it's onions, and a little bit of tomato. It's boring. You said you went chicken. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, cool. because because they're actually cooking it fresh, yeah. unlike all the rest of the meats, which are just sous vide in bags. And warmed up. Is that true? Well, like the, the barbacoa and the. So they bring those in already. Those cooked. are all pre-cooked. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So the chickens cooked fresh. Yeah. The they cooked steak steaks. cooked fresh, shit. but all the other meats are cooked huge batches and yeah. corporate and sent in. Yeah. Now, are they sourcing better than other places? Yeah, they're sourcing better than other places, but yeah. in the end, it tastes better than a fast food place. So let me tell you what I'm gonna do. Oh, I like Chipotle, it. All right. So I'm going bowl. Nice and. and I'll let you know. I eat at Chipotle at least once a week, mm-hmm. sometimes twice, sometimes two days in a row. <laughs> so I'm Done going it. bowl, and I'm doing the opposite of you. I'm doing white rice pinto, mm-hmm. 
Then I'm getting chicken most of the time. If I'm really just want to change it up because I'm getting a little bored, I might do barbacoa, but mostly just the chicken. Then I'm going mild, hot corn. Same nice. as you, right? Like it, like Fuck it. Fuck yeah. And then I'm doing cheese and sour all the way. Yeah. But I'm also getting a bag of chips. Because I don't yeah. I, I do that shit taco salad style. Oh, I, I love a taco the salad. Fork out the door. I get two bags of chips sometimes. Nice. Just dunk. Just dunk. See that that was my since I was um an embarrassment in high school. Yeah. My go-to was the when Taco Day especially was double lunches. Double, <laughs> du- double cafeteria lunches. Smash it all together. Oh. I mean, if you really want to be, you know, really, uh, you want the girls to be enthusiastic about you, uh, and we do, and, 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 and we it, do, and I def, um, I sure did then. Was not not to shower. And was to eat double lunches every day. Oh, wow. I used to get a double order of fries every day oh, at, at see, lunch, like and then it. I'd fall asleep in English class nice. after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian, what about you for like quick, quick food? I've actually quick. decided to change the game. No, I it's appreciate just that. Quick food. Quick food's already, a whole other story. You've already chosen it, so yeah, you're which, out. Which is now. fine. And then the other option is nicer food, okay? But I get to go first in nicer food because I think I'm going to take your pick. And I'm going to I'm going to throw in a I'm going to throw in a just because I want to put a local place in there. The other quick food spring rolls from uh, Saigon Pho on Lyle Ave. Oh. Six bucks, four spring rolls, shrimp, pork, and they're delicious. Nice. So, go ahead. Well, my quick food is actually going to be uh, Lynn Garden over on uh, Mount Hope, I believe. Lynn and I, I'm not. I'm not going to do the impression that I really could do because <laughs> I know. I know exactly what they say when you call. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't call. I. I oh, you, sit you show up. Oh, I show oh, up. Oh, nice. Yeah, is that's an interesting a, place to wait. Strictly a takeout place. There's no, tables. You, yeah, you can. I sit. I don't sit and eat. I take it home. But normally, I'm a. I'm a delivery guy back in boston it was delivery all the time yeah. however now i like to get out of the house a little bit when yeah. i when i want to indulge so that's, that's a people watching place too oh it is if there's people in there oh yeah if there's people which sometimes there isn't but <laughs> so i always get uh what do i get i get pork mushu and i get uh two orders of chicken on a stick i take it home and <laughs> oh, sit in bed and uh i just just eat my feelings i like it that's beautiful that's beautiful yep. Yeah. Okay, so now round two. Okay. Podcast host Brian Van Etten <laughs> with the next round of the round game. Round two is uh, a little more uh, a fancy type of restaurant. A L- little more a fancy. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go yeah, first, yeah. and I'm going to say Fiorella is the fucking jam right now. I know you've Still been on It's them. amazing. You've been on them since day one. I have. I love You've them. been pushing them since day one, but now I'm on them. Yeah. All right, so get off. Because <laughs> this place, you guys, if you guys listening out there haven't gone, it's the spot. All yeah. right, Chris, you're up. So I'm going to go somewhere that I had not been until recently that I'm probably going to talk about more in the future is next door. Oh, next, next door. door. So I'd never been. Yeah. And uh, one of my, one of the people in the chef world that I know better than others is Paul Vroman, who is now there at Next Door, who was at Aunt Rosie's before, mm-hmm. which was my go-to uh, for, you know, affordable food. And now he's over there. Right. We went and tried a bunch of the seasonal food. It is dynamite. Oh, shit. Now, Next Door is a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. It's we had all, all the seasonal stuff, so everything that was rotated, everything that's you know freshly thought up. Tell you what, it's it's not a cheap place. Yeah, but I was really impressed with not only the presentation, the quality of the food, thoughtfulness, 
Um, you know, just it's spring dishes the way you hope they would be. Well, you've definitely convinced me to go back. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for sharing. No, really. No. I, I'd been there years ago. Sure. And it was very disconnected. Yeah. You know, it was like, all right, we got this little area where they're doing pasta. This area is the sushi bar. It just felt very disconnected, but it was, you know. Uh, I'm. I've been convinced that it's yeah. worth another shot. And it's not to say it's a perfect restaurant. There's sure. stuff that's not fully revamped. There's items on the menu that are obviously um, in a that are dated seasonally. But if you pick the things that are obviously spring, mm. tell you, they, they were really impressive. They reminded me of some of the better places I've had around here. So awesome. I was I was really pleasantly surprised and uh, really happy that we have another. It is fine dining in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it, it's cool. good. What about you, Mr. Christian? Uh, that's tough. Um, I really haven't been to too many places lately, but I guess the one thing that really sticks out in my head and makes me give this answer, uh, I would say Cure. Mm. Uh, because that one time that the sausage made my face numb, it was so <laughs> fatty and good. <laughs> and and I, it, w- it wasn't a heart attack. N- I, it might have. I might have been having. <laughs> he said a he stroke. couldn't feel his neck. <laughs> no, he was, was touching like, his cheeks and neck. It I was. It was like face. good and fatty and like those are those are the experiences that you never forget. You oh know? yeah. <laughs> no, I've had a lot of great times at Cure. It's it's one of those places mm. that people. I'm not sure if people fully appreciate what they do in a lot of ways. Mm. I love it's a lot of simple techniques, and they also happen to have one of the finer bartenders in the in the city. So, I love hanging out there, and I sit at the bar. I either eat food or not, but it's a great place to hang out. Yeah, no, it looks really cool in there too. I think it does. that was. I think it's very well uh, decorated and designed in there. Well, and I think you know to Brian's point, that whole area on the at the public market right now between what uh, Keith's doing at Flower City Bread, mm-hmm. which amazing products mm-hmm. and can also be found at Swillburger. This is true. Yeah. Um, between what they're doing, what what yeah. Cure's doing in the in essentially a coffee shop space, which was a crazy idea to begin with, and then what Fiorella's doing down there. And if you show up on market, they can get some great cheeses next door to there too. It's really, it's an interesting area that's only getting more interesting as some of the commercial stuff gets out of that area. That's going to be one of those really cool spots Yeah. in another few years. I mean, it, it already is, but it is. it's only going to get cooler. Yeah. Because you know, it's all creativity down there. Yeah. It's, it's almost ready built to be a district, yeah. you know, an entertainment right. and food district. Right. It's, I think it's only a matter of time till it gets really exciting down there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, I'm glad we played your game, Brian. Yeah, thanks, you guys, for coming out. And um, this <laughs> this wraps up another episode of Food with Brian. <laughs> All right. The, the Food with Cue Brian podcast. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's let's get the plugs out here. So, um, Brian, go ahead. Uh, uh, come down to Swillburger for a good burger? <laughs> is I that like what? That. No, you got to do the jingle. What is he talking about? Get the Come plugs. to Swillburger. Uh, no, the jingle goes... Get your burgers and fries and your milkshakes too. Call 4422442. That's our phone number. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, uh, and so expertly sung too. Yeah, thanks. I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it. Great voice. 
Uh, so yeah, you know, Swillburger, Playhouse, Big Bar, Arcade, Classic Video Games, about 30 of them, um, maybe 10 of them work. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's ever, and you know what, I've never heard that. Yeah. No, I, I've never heard anything crazy. about People that. are just so happy with the ones that do work, they don't complain about the 20 that don't work. Well, no, Off-Road has one steering wheel right now. <laughs> it's a one, it's a three-player, one-player game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, we got arcade so, <laughs> games that sometimes work. They mostly just eat your tokens because we're that fucking greedy. We just want your tokens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we steal. <laughs> I love tokens. But uh, <laughs> you know, and burgers. Yeah, Swill yeah. Burger. And, and and if you want to talk about the fantastic uptime on the games, you can talk to Brian on social media. Yeah, just you can let me know how much. Just hit him up on Yelp. Hit me up on Yelp. I only pay attention if it's one star though. Yeah, so make sure you. Right, because otherwise... I mean, if yeah. you could give zero stars, just make sure you mention that. <laughs> yeah, because no one's done that either. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, yeah. Well, biggest, uh, so, <laughs> so if people want Christian's insights, where, where do they find you on the social medias? Um, I'm usually doing something with the... Uh, the the Playhouse Swilberger Instagram. Yeah. So. Okay, he, nice. he's he's the story guy. Yeah. I like that. I like to talk about uh, either my my abuelita or my nana or any person that doesn't exist. Which uh, I, I I saw that and I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've been feeling a little dry lately, but I'll try and uh, get some <laughs> good inspiration. So, all right. So my plugs. I'm at Stromy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at the Food About Town Facebook page. And for whatever reason, if you're listening to this and got all the way through and you're not subscribed yet, fucking do it. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast and share it out on social media. This is this is gonna be a this is gonna be a uh, a fun one. So <laughs> so thanks guys and Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks. Hey, have a great night. See you guys.